0: Welcome to the Potter's House Community Church's podcast. Join us weekly as we feature our Sunday sermons. The Potter's House Community Church exists to help people be shaped by God to be followers of Jesus Christ. We hope today's message encourages you as we dive into God's Word, so grab your favorite drink and let's listen to today's sermon. So show me your my God. Well, it's good to be show back with you this week. Um... Uh, It's good to be back preaching after a couple weeks off. It's nice to have a break, but also nice to be back. Um, I appreciate Lyndon uh, filling in last week and John the week before. Um, I don't think uh, Lyndon knew it when he was doing it, but uh, his sermon last week actually was a great lead-in to the book of Colossians and where we're going uh, today. Uh, Because uh, he ended his sermon talking about um, Jesus being with us, in us, and being in Jesus, and so that's actually like a major theme in the Book of Colossians that we're going to be looking at. And uh, if you're new to church, new to us, um, kind of what we do here is uh, we we hold the Bible uh, to be the Word of God, and so um, we value what it says over what we say. So if you came looking for like great like feel good message from me, like. I'm not that creative. So um, the best I can do is I can take God's word and try to give it to you. And that's what I try to do. And we do that by working through books of the Bible um, one at a time. We just finished the book of Genesis, which is the very first book in the Bible. And now we're skipping over and we're doing the book of Colossians, which is in the latter part of the Bible. So Colossians comes into play. After uh, Jesus um, has come to earth, he's lived, um he's died on a cross, He's risen from the dead, and Christianity has started, and churches are being started and spread out throughout the world. And one of those, places where there was a, a church was in Colossae. And, uh, and so the book of Colossians was written by the apostle Paul to that group of Christians in that town, um, addressing some things that they were facing and some things that were going on there. And it's, it's really Cool when you read the Bible and how, how similar, like, oh yeah, we still face the same stuff that they're facing. We still need to know the same things they needed to know. Um, and it's cool how that works to encourage us and share with us. So um, to start with today, I just want to read through our full passage for today, and then we're going to go back and pull a few points out of it and see what it's saying. But we're in Colossians chapter one, starting in verse one. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. So these two guys, Paul and Timothy are writing this to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae grace to you and peace from God, our father. We always thank God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven And so Paul here is writing to them and uh I've got three main points one of them's kind of longer with some subpoints under it so bear with me um but uh the first thing I really want us to pull out and this is a major theme uh in the book of Colossians is how he addresses the letter who he addresses it to he says to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ Um, the faithful brothers could be faithful brothers and sisters, depending on how you want to translate that word, but he's writing to those who are in Christ. And so that should make us ask the question of what does it mean to be in Christ? Well, to, to explain this, I'm going to bring out file folders. (laughs) And some of you guys know my file folders. They're so Nice. Um, but yeah, so the way the file folders work is the idea is before God, um, we all have to give an account of our life, right? So after this life, we'll stand before him and we'll give an account. And if God were, he, it doesn't really work this way cause he's God. So he doesn't need file folders. Okay. But if God were to have a file folder with my name on it and I come to the end of my life, And he pulls out my file as he was reviewing my life. You know what he would find? He would find that I had done bad stuff. That there was sin in my life. There were things that were against God. There were things where I treated people wrong, um, where I was selfish, where I was greedy, where I looked out for myself. I didn't do the things that he would want me to do. Instead, I lived my life for myself instead of for him. And so based on my own standing before God, that's what would be in my file folder. And the Bible tells us that that's kind of all of us. It says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So that means that none of us, based on our own merit, based on our own file, are worthy to come into his presence, are worthy to come in and be with him. But the good news is is that there's another file. And that's the file of Jesus. And Jesus came to earth and he never sinned. He was fully God, fully man, lived the perfect life. And yet he paid the punishment for sin by dying on the cross. And so he shed his blood. And the way this works, watch, this is really tricky. All right. So he shed his blood to cover me. And what his blood does is it takes my sin and punishment that it requires and it pays it for me. And so no longer is my file, because I've believed in Jesus, because I've asked him to be my Lord and Savior, that is gone. The Bible tells us that God separates that as far as the east is from the west. And so because I've in Jesus, now no longer is that sin in my file. No longer does God see that because in fact, uh, what scripture tells us is that Jesus's perfect righteousness, his perfect righteousness is, is credited to my account. And so now when God pulls up my file, no longer does he open it and see all of my filthiness. Instead, he sees his son's perfect righteousness. But it's actually one step further than that, um, because where where Paul says here, we're in Christ Jesus, that literally means that my file is completely wrapped in him. My life is completely wrapped in him. And so to be in Christ Jesus means that when God looks at me, even now, he doesn't see me for the ways that I still mess up. He doesn't see me for the ways he sees me for Jesus. Jesus. And the hope and the desire of the Christian life is that others, too, when they look at me, they don't see me, but they see Jesus wrapped around me. And so if if you want this in your life, if you want to, to, if you're like, yeah, Wayne, I I totally get that part. I've got the black part down. That's in my life. But if you want that to be dealt with, then you need to, to come to Jesus and ask him, And say, Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that you died on a cross. Um, I believe that you paid the punishment for my sin so that I could be forgiven. And I believe that you rose again three days later, defeating sin and death. And ask him to be your Lord and Savior. um, Because that is something that he will do. And when that happens in your life, then you're considered in Christ Jesus. And and so that's where I was teasing Dave before the service because uh, he was telling me how much he, he's looking forward to Colossians. And I said, yes, yeah, it starts out with one of your favorite themes, Dave. Um, Dave did a whole study for our men's group one time on, on how as Christians we were saints. Um, and so uh, I think that will help us to understand who he's addressing this to when he says to the saints, because um, this, this is where we differ in our understanding of things than maybe the Catholics do. Um, So in the Catholic tradition to be a saint, does anybody know how you become a saint in the Catholic tradition? You're really good. You're really holy. You do all this good stuff. You die. Later on, a miracle has to be done in your name. And then the church has to say, yeah, you're now a saint. I don't think that's who Paul's writing to here. I don't think he's writing to people who have died and had miracles done in their name. um, Because I don't think they need a letter written to them at that point. Um, and so, uh, I think obviously what, where Paul is using this word to refer to them as saints, he's talking to those who have been wrapped in Jesus. Their, their sainthood is Jesus covering them. And that's the same as is true for us today. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've placed your faith in him, then yes, before God, you are a saint. You're someone who is meant to be holy and righteous and faithful, as he says here in this verse. So uh, one of the commentaries had this quote. um, I thought it was good, so I thought I would share it with you. To be in Christ means to be in cooperation in him so that he encompasses the entire life of the believer. And so to be in Christ means that all of me is wrapped up in him. What I want to do, my desires, my passions, the things, all of this should be shaped, molded. My responses even should be marked by Christ and being in him. Problem is we kind of step out of that sometimes. We kind of want to go back to our own ways at times. But that's the goal. That's the desire. That's where we're heading for. But how do we get to be in Christ? Let's cover that once again from the verse here. In verse 4, it says this. He's he's thanking God for them since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. So how do we get to be in Christ? We get to be in Christ by faith. By believing in him. And you know, faith is one of those topics today that uh in our culture is kind of funny to me really because so many times I'll hear in certain situations, well you just got to have faith, right? Like you can be a fan for the absolute worst sports team on earth. And the fellow fans, what will they say? Oh, we just got to have faith. We just got to believe, right? You can be stuck in the worst job ever. And somebody will tell you, Oh, you just got to have faith. Things are going to get better. You just got to believe, you know, power, positive thinking. That's not what we're talking about here. Because here's the thing about faith. Faith is only as good as the thing in which it is placed right? So I'm a college football fan, and I'm a fan of Mississippi State, and we're horrible this year. I have zero faith in that team. I'm still a fan, but I have zero faith in them that they're going to win any games anymore, right? Like, just don't believe it's going to happen, all right? But equally, I do express faith in my life all the time. In fact, I will propose every single one of you express faith when you walked into this room, you sat down in that chair. You just expected that chair was going to hold you. You didn't like pick it up, inspect it. I didn't see anybody like flipping chairs over to make sure the bottom was in. Now, sometimes back in our men's group, we have to do that because those chairs are a little scary back there. Uh, we don't have as much faith in those chairs, but in these chairs, we have faith. And so we come in, we sit down, we're fine. Equally this last week, I got the, the privilege of, or the week four of going up north on a, on a really fun trip. And uh, on the way there, I expressed a lot of faith. I'd never been there before. I, I'd never, I didn't even really know where I was going. I punched it in my GPS, and I just had faith in the little talking phone that she's leading me in the right direction, right? And I just am following wherever she's telling me to go because I, I have faith in the GPS. Equally, as I'm driving down these roads that I've never driven down before, I, I assume that the people that built the roads made them where they are safe. Right? So it's not going to be a road that just drives off a cliff. Right? So I had faith in the roads. And so our lives are marked by having faith all the time. And, and so the question is, what do we have faith in? And that's the same when it comes to faith in Jesus. See, I could, I could trust my GPS because I I trusted that it was, it was giving me accurate information that it was worthy of my trust. I can trust in Jesus because I know that he is worthy of that trust. I can have faith in Jesus because he has proven himself over and over again in my life. I can have faith in him because I can believe in what he did on the cross in my place. And so I propose to you that Jesus is fully fully capable of sustaining your faith and is worthy of being the object of your faith. So, so those are, that's, that's faith, but we have to believe in in something. And what, what is it that we're supposed to believe in? What are we supposed to have faith in? Well, he says here how they came to have that faith in the second part of verse five. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you, and is indeed in the whole world, and is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood it in the grace of God in truth. So, what is it they had faith in? It they had faith in the gospel. What does that mean? The gospel. The gospel means the good news. In the Greek language at this time, uh, this word would have been used to refer to um, when there was a battle and uh, news came back to the winning village or, or, or whatever, or the winning people. Hey, good news, we won the battle. The battle has been won. It's good news. Well, the same is true with Christianity. The good news is that Jesus has won the battle. And the news has come back to us that he has done that. So what is this news? How did this happen? Here's the facts of it. One, Jesus is the son of God. Two, he came to earth and he was born as a man. So he's fully God, fully man. Lived a sinless life. Died on a cross. Was buried and then rose again three days later. And now he's ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the father. And so... Why did he do all this? He did it because he made us. And he made us to be in communion with him, be in relationship with him. But yet, because of our sin, we've broken that. We've broken that relationship. We've broken that bond. We've we've broken that ability to be with him. And so he came himself to be a substitute for us, to take our punishment for us, so that we could be made right with God. And so... Maybe you think, well, I I think I believe that. I think I have that faith, but I I don't really know. Well, he tells us here how he knows that they have this faith. Back up in verse 4. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all of the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel. And so how does he know that they they are saved? How does he know that they have genuine saving faith? By the fact that they love other Christians. The love that they have for one another. And and this is a a marker. This has been a marker from the beginning of Christianity on how how we know if we're we're part of it or not. Because you can say like, yeah, I believe that but has it really affected you has it changed you has jesus really come into your life are you really in christ jesus well if you're truly in christ jesus then you're going to be marked by love for fellow believers you're going to be marked by love and care for others and uh, and so when and and that's because of what he says here because of the hope laid up for you in heaven so i have this hope you have the same hope we're hoping to spend eternity with jesus And so because of that hope, we love each other. Now, I know some people that, that they say they're Christians, but they're like, yeah, I just can't stand being around other Christians. And I'm like, well, I'm I'm sorry, you're probably going to be stuck with them for eternity. So you probably should get used to it. Um, We probably should work on that in our lives. Like it's time to start practicing, right? So if you're, you're in that. Mode of like, yeah, I, I, I'm okay with Jesus, but I don't really like his people. That's probably a problem. You probably should, should kind of examine that because what scripture's is pointing us to over and over again is that when we are in Christ Jesus, then we're going to want to be with and love and care for others who are also in Christ Jesus. Does that mean it's not messy? Oh, sure. It's messy. I mean, you got to put up with people like me, right? I mean, like, yeah, it gets messy, but we love each other and we work through those things together. So to be clear, here's what we've covered so far. This is the first point. We're in Christ Jesus because we have faith in the good news about Jesus. And that faith is proven by our love for other Christians because of our unified hope. See, that's a it's a long point, a lot in there. All right. I just want you to get that because I think that's a, a really a thrust of what he's getting at here. And just starting the book of Colossians, how he's addressing the people, how he's introducing the letter. Um, and so the, the next two points are going to be a good bit shorter. So go with me. But, um, but logistically speaking, how did these people receive this hope? How did they hear the truth of the gospel? Verse 7 and 8. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. And so this guy Epaphras, he knew Paul. He, Paul might have led him to the Lord. We don't know. He might have you know, been discipled by Paul somewhere else. I don't, I don't really know Epaphras' story. Um, but Epaphras goes to Colossae which actually was a pretty small, remote kind of town. And he goes to this remote, small town and, and he shares the gospel with him. And he starts a church there and the gospel spreads, the kingdom spreads. More people are now in Christ Jesus because Epaphras went and told them about him. And this is how the good news has been spread from the very beginning. It's only by people taking it and sharing it with one another. Maybe you're here today because someone shared it with you. In fact, I'd propose we're all here today because someone has shared it with us. And because it's good news, we want other people to know this good news and we want to share it with them. And Paul in in Romans 10 uh, talks about how important this is. In Romans 10, uh, starting in verse 13, he says this, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him who they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Think about the people who brought the gospel to you. Who is it that brought the gospel to you? Take a moment and thank God for them if you're a believer. But now think about maybe who is there in the world who needs you to bring the gospel to them. I'll tell you, it's like, as a pastor, like, yeah, I, I take time off, but you don't really ever turn it off, right? Like it's always still going. And so I'm, I'm driving north and I'm going through t- town after town, after town. And honestly, based on what, like what I'd heard of the north and being small, remote, little communities, like there's actually pretty large towns up there, right? A lot of people, I saw a few churches but a lot of people. So it makes me ask, what do we need to do to make sure those people have the opportunity to hear the good news? How can we be a part of taking the good news to them, to the uttermost parts of the earth? That's where Jesus has told us to take it. Because here's the fact, the good news is only good if you hear it and believe it. The good news is only good if you hear it and believe it. Imagine this, you have a a disease and the cure to that disease has been found. But it has been found on the other side of the world and has not been communicated back to your doctor. Is that cure do you any good? Not at all, but it's out there. That's what the gospel is like. It is the cure to our problem. It is the cure to our problem before God, but it's only the cure if we hear it and we believe it. And so we as Christians want to make sure that we do all we can to take it to everyone else. I want to close out with one last point here from what Paul says, and we're going to read verse three again. We always thank God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. This is a very important concept. One, he's praying for these Christians he's never met. Do you pray for fellow believers? Do you pray for maybe even Christians you've never met? That's very important. But also, do you give thanks to God for them? Because in all this that we've talked about today, Who who does he give the credit to? They've come to faith in Jesus. They've believed in Jesus. They've done all this. But who does Paul give the credit to? To God. Look what God has done. God has done this. God has done this in you. We thank God for this in you. I want to ask you, do you thank God regularly? Or do you just go with him with your needs list? Or maybe you're even kind of like, Wayne, I'm not too sure about the whole praying thing. Give it a try. I've uh, been reminded this week of the power of prayer. So our church, um, as many of you know, uh, we've been growing lately and we're uh, especially getting concerned with exceeding our building occupancy limit. Um, and so, for the month of September, we asked the church to to pray and fast, and ask the Lord to like show us what He wants us to do. And uh, and so, so we did that. And the end of the month, we all came together and we discussed it, and we, all of the challenges we're up against, and where things are, and what possible solutions might be and not be. And uh, we really thought like we'd been told for this building to increase its oxygen load, we'd have to like do a renovation to put more bathrooms in because that's why it was at a hundred people and all this. And so Ian and I were talking with the building inspector for WFN and asking him like, Hey, what exactly do we need to do? And, uh, and so, uh, we sent him a a floor plan of the building and he called me this week and he said, I've been talking to the fire marshal and, uh, what do you want your building actually to be? And, And I was like, I said, well, I think realistically for this size of the building, it probably should be at least 200. he said, oh, I can do 200, no problem. Um, and I was like, well, great. Um, he said, you really have the square footage for 300, but then your, your exits get a little funny. And I was like, yeah, I don't think we can fit 300 in here regularly anyway. <laughs> um, and he's like, so he, he said, yeah, um, I'll approve and send it over to you. Um, and so we don't have to do a renovation, we don't have to spend a dime. Um, our, our building actually, Kim, Kim covered it up to not, uh, not spoil it this morning, but our building actually is now 200. Um, and so, uh, so now what we need to pray is God bring those 200 people. Um, and so, so yeah, God answers prayers this is my takeaway from that. Cause there's really no other explanation. I did assure him that if we end up with long lines waiting for bathrooms, that we will deal with the problem. So, um, But yeah, so that was great news this week for us as a church. Um, and just really an answer to God answering our prayers. And so we need to thank him for that. We need to give him thanks. We need to give him glory for that because we should live in gratitude and thanks to God for the good things he's done and continues to do. So let's close uh, the sermon today with thanking him. Lord, we do thank you. We thank you for the good news uh, from the building inspector. And uh, Lord, we just pray that, uh, uh, that you will continue to do what you're doing and bring the people who need to hear your word, who need to have a touch from you, who need to have a relationship with you. I pray that, that you will use your gospel to stir in people's hearts and draw them to you. Lord, I pray that maybe somebody here today might need to take that initial step of faith in you and I pray that you might spur them in that direction. Lord, I thank you for all that you are and all that you do. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for Jesus Christ. I thank you for the price that he paid for us and I thank you for the way that you love us, you support us and you sustain us. Lord, we thank you for everything. You are so good. In Christ's holy name I pray. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Feel free to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and share with others. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit our website at www.potterschurch.ca or you can connect with us also on social media. Tune in next week for a brand new episode of our weekly sermon series. We hope that you have such an amazing rest of your day.